It is good to be with you today. It is a busy day. Uh, early 8.30 worship. Um, I was here. Okay. Yes. I was here. I preached. I remember it. Uh, then we've got this service. And then uh, uh, today at 5 o'clock, we will do our annual meeting. This is my first annual meeting as your director of missions. I've been here five months and, uh, and so this will be my first opportunity to, to meet with all of the churches in Floyd County and uh, for us to, to do our annual meeting. I'm excited about this. Uh, as Pastor Eric mentioned, uh, uh, you're more than welcome. You've got your messengers uh, that will be your representatives of your church uh, in the business part of the meeting. Uh, but you're welcome to attend. Uh, Registration starts at 4 o'clock. We'll be there a little bit early, uh, get folks signed in and registered and counted for, and, and uh, the meeting will start at 5. I also want you to know that we're doing things a little bit different. Um, they asked me to be the preacher uh, for this meeting, uh, and I think that's appropriate because um, my charge is to share with you, the, the churches and leaders of your church, what the vision is, where we're headed. And so uh, it's a new day, and we're talking about the vision that we're going to have for the next several years and where we're going for the next several years as the Floyd County Baptist Association. So uh, I'm going to do that. Now, I want you to know it's different in that usually they let the preacher be the last thing and save the best thing for last. Well, of course, they have asked me to be the preacher, so we're going to do it at the front uh, uh, and do the business at the end of the meeting. You say, why in the world would you do that? Well, I'm sharing the vision of where we're going, what we're going to be and do and all of that. And so I feel like that needs to be at the beginning. You know, instead of us uh, having all these decisions made and talk about what we're going to be doing and then for me to come up at the end and say, hey, I appreciate all y'all just voted on, but here's what I want to do. Uh, so we're going to do the vision first, and uh, and then we're going to uh, and and then we're going to do the the business part of the meeting. So uh, if you're going to come for the vision, you need to show up uh, and be there on time. It is a new day. We're going to be uh, talking about the the vision, the mission, the purpose statement. Uh, the the mission statement for the Floyd County Baptist Association is this. We want to be encouraging and equipping pastors and people to do the great commandment and the great commission. That's it, okay? We want to be encouraging. We want to constantly be encouraging and equipping pastors. And you say pastors and people. Are pastors not people? Well, some I've known. No, um, but uh, pastors are people, but pastors as well as staff members, but people are leaders, and so we want to be encouraging and equipping uh, our churches, our leaders, our pastors to, to do the great commandment, to, to love God and to love others, and the great commission to make disciples that make disciples. So we, that's our, uh, our mission statement. We're going to have eight priorities and, um, and the first one is praying. We want to be a praying association. And so we're going to be emphasizing prayer. The second one is that we want to be a reaching association. Uh, we, we want to be about what we're talking about this morning during the message. We, we want to see a trend change 
uh, in this county and in this city. Uh, it is heartbreaking to me when I look and I see that of the, uh, there's 60 Floyd County Baptist churches. Last year, there were 30 of our 60 churches that baptized one or less. Okay? Um, we we want to fuss about what's going on in our community and the crime and the poverty and, and all the bad things that we see happening and we want to blame it on politicians and, and other things. But the truth is, the reason our community's in the shape it's in is because we failed as the church to share Jesus. And so we're, we're going to see that change. We want to be a reaching association. But we also want to be a discipling association. That's number three. Uh, every problem that we face in church, whether it be not sharing our faith or a leadership problem, can't find enough workers or, or, we, or we don't have enough money or any problem that we face in church today is a direct reflection of our deficiency in disciple making. If people are growing in their love for Jesus, <laughs> they're going to be sharing Jesus. If people are growing in their love for Jesus, they're going to be kind and compassionate and, and, and they're going to give of their resources as well as their time. Uh, we've got to be a disciple-making association. We also need to be a going association. Uh, both locally and globally. Uh, just, this, just this week, we've had teams in Utah and Idaho looking at how we're going to be partnering with um, uh, uh, folks out there to, to, to strengthen churches and help pastors and reach communities. Um, we've been uh, talking with our missionaries in, in Argentina. And so we, we're, we're going to be a going association. Uh, we've had folks the last two weeks uh, down in uh, Louisiana. And one of the things that you're going to get the opportunity today to do at the annual meeting is, is partner with one of our sister churches down in Houma, Louisiana. Uh, this church has been uh, very faithful in caring for people that uh, have had this devastation from this hurricane. Every day they've been feeding people. Every day they've been, been serving and doing all that they can do. But the, the buildings of this church uh, have received damage. They haven't had time to take care of their stuff because they've been helping everybody else. We want to come alongside and just let them know that we appreciate them and give to help our sister church uh, down in uh, Houma, Louisiana. Uh, we, want, we want to be a going association. We want to be a caring association. We, we, we want to love on our community. We do so much with our uh, church and community ministry center of care, caring for folks uh, every week, giving groceries and food and helping people. Just this week took some backpacks of love to, to love on some children that get emergency placed with defects. Because when they get placed, they don't come with anything except the clothes on their back. And so we take these backpacks of love to help these families and these children in these times. We want to be caring. We want to be caring for our community. We want to be caring for our churches. One of the things that I've tried to do is communicating with the pastors and constantly calling them and sending them texts and just, just letting them know that, that, that we love them, support them, and encouraging them. So we want to be a caring we want to be a growing association. We want to be increasing the number of churches in our association. The past several years, we've been going in the other direction. 
Uh, we've, we've actually had churches to close their doors, go out of business, and no longer part of the Floyd County Baptist Association. I want us to start new churches. I want, I want churches that already exist that uh, agree with us doctrinally to be a part of what we're doing. I want to be a growing association. I want us to be a training association. I did the listening sessions uh, with pastors, and it was the number one thing that came back, uh, uh, provide training. Uh, several years ago, your association did a survey and asked you, what does the association need to do? And you said, provide training. Back in 2001, Georgia Baptist surveyed every church and every leader and every pastor. And even back then, 20 years ago, you said that the number one thing that the association needs to do is provide training. And so that's what we have been doing. We've been bringing together uh, our different networks, whether it be pastor groups, whether it be the youth pastors or kids ministry leaders. Uh, we've got a group coming together next month for our Sunday school uh, directors. We're going to be doing a big training event next year for every church leader that you can think about. So, so we're going to be providing training, already doing it. And then also, I, I want us to be a giving association. You know, I don't think it's right for me to, to ask you, the church, to give to missions through the association and, and us keep it all. I mean, that's not what you do. Your, your church is a giving church. You, you take part of what you get and you, and you give it away for missions. I want us to do the same thing uh, as the Floyd County Baptist Association. So, so that's what we're going to be about. That's what we're going to be hitting uh, tonight uh, in a lot more detail, share with you some, some um, uh, of the action plans that we've got in place and also talking about key metrics. Uh, and you'll be hearing a lot more about what's taking place. Uh, if you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at a story that I know that you're familiar with, uh, but it's the latter part of the story. It's John chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. This is the, the follow-up the, uh, the after the conversation with the woman at the well. So, so let's look at these verses. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what, what do you want, or why were you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be that brought him something to eat? And then Jesus responded, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you say that there is still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for this day, for our wonderful time of worship, of singing songs to you. 
just telling you how good you have been to us. Singing to you and proclaiming who you are in your greatness and your goodness and your mercy and kindness. Father, thank you for the sweet fellowship that we've been able to enjoy. To be able to be in this room and, and to see friends and encourage each other. Father, we're thankful for that. Father, now we come to listen to your word. Our prayer is that you would speak to us. And Father, as you speak, we would listen. God, my prayer is that no one would leave this room saying no to you. My prayer is that no one listening to us online would say no to you. God, have your way with us. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is the the story of the woman at the well. Now, we know earlier in John chapter 4 that Jesus had been having success in his preaching, Uh, so much so that the religious leaders were threatened, and because of this, Jesus and his followers decided to take a, a, a little side trip. This side trip took them through Samaria, Samaria and Jewish people didn't get along. Uh, The Jewish folks saw the Samaritan folks as unclean, outcast, uh, the scum of the earth. How about that? That's the way they were viewed. Jewish people didn't associate, didn't spend any time interacting with them because uh, of their being an outcast, an unclean person. So here we've got this situation. Jesus and his followers come to this well and the disciples said, uh, hey, we we don't have any lunch. And they didn't have McDonald's drive-thru. So uh, the disciples said, hey, we're going to go look for some food. We've got to have something to eat. Uh, And so we're going to go hunt for some food. Jesus, you hang out here at the well, and we'll be back. So it's lunchtime. It's the middle of the day. And there's Jesus hanging out at the well. Then this woman shows up. Now, you do understand that you, you didn't go to the community well at the highest heat of the day. You, you didn't do that. You know, back back then you would go to the well to get your water first thing in the morning. And you'd everybody do that and they would talk and converse and catch up with each other and then they'd go back to their homes and finish their task for the day. You, you didn't go to the well to get your water at noon or lunchtime unless you wanted to avoid the crowd. You didn't want to talk to nobody. You didn't want to be confronted by anybody, but that's what this woman did because of her reputation. She shows up in the heat of the day to get her daily water, and there's Jesus. Jesus says, "Hey, will you get me a a, a drink of water?" And she says, "Well, you don't you don't even have a cup. What do you what do you what do you mean you want a drink of water?" And Jesus says, uh, "I have uh, water." that I give to people and they'll never get thirsty. And she was like, well, give me some of that water. I don't want to ever have to come to this well. Again, she didn't understand. 
Anyway, this conversation goes on and they talk about worshiping God and, and what it truly means to worship God. And, and this woman is impressed with Jesus and, and, and uh, says, wow, you're a prophet. And Jesus said, well, go get your husband and we'll talk some more. And uh, she goes, uh, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with ain't your husband. And, um, and so she's amazed. And they have a conversation. They talk some more. And she says, you know, because she's impressed with, with Jesus. And she says, you know, they, they've been talking about the Messiah for years. What, what do, you, do you think the Messiah's coming? And Jesus says, I'm him. I, I'm the Messiah. Well, that's where the disciples come back with their whatever they got for lunch. And I want us to look at these verses and see what they can teach us about what we need to be doing in our day. The first thing that I want us to notice is in verses 31 through 34, and that is the priority of the harvest. Remember that the disciples had just come back with the lunch for the day. Jesus had just finished this incredible witnessing encounter with this woman at the well. And I want you to notice the priority of the harvest. Notice that Christ was more concerned about the mission than the meal. I mean, look, they, they keep, uh, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus was more concerned about the lost than with lunch. The priority for Jesus was on the harvest. And friend, I want to say to you that for us, the priority must be on the harvest as well. There's nearly 4 billion people in the world today that have never heard the good news of Jesus. We have forgotten that the priority of our life and our mission and our work, our churches, our Sunday school classes, everything that we do, we have forgotten that the priority must be on the harvest. This past week, read a report that said here in Georgia, in the Bible Belt, what is considered to be a stronghold right now because of COVID and the decline of spirituality in our state, that right now about 85% of the population will not be in church today. Again, there's a pandemic going on, but we also know that in our state, about 70% of the population is unchurched and lost without Christ. That means of the 10 million people that live in Georgia, there are 7 million that show fairly clear signs that they are on their way to a Christless eternity. We have forgotten that the priority should be on the harvest. We have forgotten that it is easy for people to go to hell from Rome, from Floyd County, and from Georgia. There's roughly 47,000 Southern Baptist churches. 
Now, we are the largest Protestant evangelical organization, group of churches in America. But every year of those 47,000 churches, 10,000 Southern Baptist churches report that they reached no one for Jesus during the year. No one. I mean, that's 10,000 pastors. What in the world are they doing? Okay? I mean, seriously, 10,000 pastors of those 10,000 churches, and you mean to tell me that those pastors could not reach one person during a calendar year? I mean, y'all fixing to ordain some deacons. I mean, that's a bunch of deacons in 10,000 churches. You mean to tell me that those, how many tens of thousands of deacons in those churches could not reach one person for Jesus? I mean, Sunday school teachers. Huh. I mean, there's probably six, seven Sunday school teachers in each one of those 10,000 churches that reach no one for Jesus. I mean, do the math. That's maybe close to 100,000 Sunday school teachers, huh? That didn't reach anybody for Jesus. Think about the number of times they gathered. Think about the number of songs that they sang in church. Think about all the money that was given in those churches and nobody got saved. And I know we said, boy, I said, Southern Baptist. I've already told you that it's worse in Floyd County. Half of our churches had one baptism or less. Folks, I'm telling you, that's our problem. We're, we're not sharing Jesus. We have forgotten that the harvest is to be the priority. It was the harvest that was the priority for Jesus, but not for us. Luke 19:10, Jesus tells us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Friend, that has got to be our priority. So, so why does it need to be the priority? Well, Jesus tells us that in verse, verse 35. He tells us that there's a period of time for the harvest. Look, look at verse 35. He says, don't you say there is still four more months and then the harvest? In other words, he's saying, don't, don't you say, uh, you know, we, 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 got, we got time. And then Jesus says, nah, listen what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look the fields because they are ready for harvest. The first thing that Jesus tells us about this harvest, the period of time for this harvest, he says, first of all, that the harvest is present. He's saying it is now. I'm amazed at the number of pastors and people and churches that are constantly making excuses for why they are not sharing Jesus and why they are not reaching people. Oh, we're, we're getting ready to. We're going to talk about it. We're going to form a committee to study it. We're constantly making excuses. And, 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 and 
eventually we're going to do something great for God. We, we, we got to get ready first. We, we got to have more space. We got to have prettier space. We got to have more staff. We got to have more money. We got to do some more training. And we're constantly making excuses saying, in the future, we're going to reach the lost. We'll, we'll be obedient. But Jesus told us the harvest is now, right now, today. He says that it is in the field ready for the harvest. It's now. (laughs) Quit getting ready for it. Quit delaying it. Quit saying, oh, when I know enough, when when I'm educated enough, or when I feel like I know enough Bible, then I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. No, no. It's now. It is now. I also want us to understand when we talk about this harvest, the the time frame. Why? Because it's precious. Jesus is using agricultural terms here. Yeah, he's talking about beans and corn. (laughs) But you know what? He's, He's talking about people. This this harvest is not beans and corn or pumpkins and tomatoes. It's people. It's our parents. It's our children. It's our spouse. It's our neighbors. It's our coworker. It's our friends that he's talking about here. That those that are our friends, our relatives, our spouse, our coworkers, our children, those that don't know Jesus, now is the time. Quit waiting. It's precious. But Jesus also says that it's prepared. He he, he says it's ready. In some translation, it says it is white unto harvest. It's time to go. It's time to be out there. The reason, the reason that people are not coming to Christ is because we're not going. It's prepared. There, it's ready. We just need to be faithful. And the last thing when we think about this period of the harvest, when he talks about in verse 35 that it's ready for harvest, you do know what happens if you ignore the harvest and you leave it in the field. It rots. It, it, it perishes. And, and, and this harvest is perishable. It's not going to last forever. It's not always going to have the opportunity. It's not always going to be there. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not but have everlasting life. This harvest is perishable. I hope and pray that none of us in this room gather in this room with a casket in front of us and we put our hands in our face and we say, oh, I should have told them about Jesus. I hope that you don't come to that point when you have your loved one in that casket and they're there and you're trying to convince yourself that they were good enough to get into heaven. Friend, we ought to be living in such a way that it's easy for a preacher to preach our funeral. 
We ought to be living in such a way that in our death, our family is comforted by our testimony of our love for Jesus, knowing without a shadow of a doubt that we're in heaven. Friend, I want you to know that this harvest is perishable. And someday, one day, it's going to be too late. It's too late. There's a period of time. But I also want you to see in verses 36 through 38, the partners in the harvest. We've talked about the priority. We've talked about the time period of the harvest. But also look at verses 36 and 38, and there you see the the partnership. And that's, that's what we're about. That's what Paul said to the Philippian church when he said, we are partners in the gospel. That's that's what we've got to understand is that we we are not in this alone. We have each other. We have our church and other churches. We have a great army in this harvest. But you see, it is difficult, just about impossible for First Baptist Church Lindale to even reach Lindale for Jesus. Much less Rome and Floyd County and the world. How in the world can you be faithful to the Great Commission as one individual church? It's through partnership. It's what Jesus is talking about here in these verses that we are not alone in this. You know, it's the same concept that we use in in Sunday school. You know, we, we don't look at every Sunday school class and say, okay, Go out yonder and bring whoever will in. No, no. usually what happens in that situation is they don't do anything. But when you have a Sunday school class that says, hey, we're going to reach third graders. And then you have another Sunday school class over here that says, we're going to reach middle-aged adults. And then one over here that says, we're going to reach parents of teenagers. And then another Sunday school class over here saying, we're going to reach middle school boys. Pray for that class. Okay? But anyway, that, that's, the, that's the partnership. Okay? That's the partnership. When, when we do it all together, when we take a little bit of the responsibility, we're stronger. That's what Jesus is talking about here with the partnership. When we, when we partner together, we, we see the blessing, the beauty, and the benefits. And, and Jesus tells us this. Notice in verse 36, he says, the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. There's a reward in this partnership. There's a reward for, for us working together. You say, what's that reward? What? what Imagine with me that we have a 25-acre field out here. And that field is full of tomato plants. Nothing like having a tomato sandwich from your own tomato plant that you, that you grew. But we got 25 acres out here. And I'm the only one working that 25-acre tomato plant field. Well, what's going to happen to the harvest? Well, I guarantee you... That, that a lot of the harvest is going to drop off the vine and rot in the field. It's going to spoil. It's going to perish because I'm just one guy and I can't do it all. 
So the harvest is not going to be as plentiful as it could have been because I'm doing it by myself. But there's a side effect. And it's something that we don't talk about, but it's something that we see. I'm the worker. I'm, I'm giving it everything I got. I'm, I'm out there working, harvesting tomatoes best I can, but I look and I see that most of the harvest is rotten in the field. And so guess what happens to me as the worker? I get discouraged. I'm all by myself. And folks, I want you to know we've got a lot of churches out there, we've got a lot of pastors out there that are discouraged because they're trying to do it alone, whether it be a church or a pastor. But take that 25-acre tomato field. And what would happen if 49 co-laborers come alongside me and we work that 25-acre tomato field? What's going to happen to our harvest? That's right, what's going to increase. There's not going to be as much that, that's wasted and missed. But, but not only are we going to be more productive and have a better harvest, but guess what happens to me as the worker? Man, i got fellow laborers right there beside me. There's going to be joy in the field. There's going to be encouragement. There's going to be a brotherhood of the work. There's a benefit in the partnership and that we're not doing it alone. The harvest is more and there is encouragement for the laborer. Mm. that's the benefit, the reward. Notice lastly here in verses, the last part of verse 36 and 37. There he talks about so that the sower and the reaper can <laughs> rejoice. There's rejoicing in this partnership. I wish I had great news to share with you about Floyd County. We, our baptisms are down. Our attendance is down. I wish we had happiness and joyful and, and celebration. But we don't. And I believe that one of the reasons why we don't see rejoicing in our partnership is because we have failed to partner together. We, we have been independent churches and not working together. I want our partnership to be one of celebration and rejoicing. Final thing. Verse 38. And verse 38 answers the why, the reason. In verse 38, he says, I sent you reaping what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. The answer to the question of why we do this, why we should partner together, why, why we should have the harvest as our priority is right there at the beginning of verse 38. If you've been a parent and you've had children, you've gotten to that point in your parenting because they do push us, you know. 
And they're asking why, 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 why. You, you, you know, if you've never experienced, go to Walmart and wait. You will see it. What do you say as the parent when you finally just say, because I said so? Right here is Jesus looking at us saying, because I said so. The, the reason we do this partnership is not because it's some new thing. I know we've called this a new day, you know, the association, new day, vision, all that. This is not new. This has always been what Jesus has told us to do. We're, we're just saying let's be obedient to what he has commanded us to do. So the reason that you and I should have the harvest as our priority is not because of some new program or some new director of missions. The reason that you and I should have the harvest as our priority is because that's what Jesus told us to do. Are we going to be obedient? Or are we going to just do it our way? So here's what I want to ask of you. Well, the first thing I want to say to you is thank you for what you do. Thank you for your commitment to missions through the Floyd County Baptist Association. Continue to pray for us. Continue to support. Continue to give. Be involved. Um, find a place of service. But thank you for what you are doing and continue your support of missions through the Floyd County Baptist Association. Your support is making a difference. The last thing I would ask is that we make the harvest the priority. Let, let's put all of our differences aside, our preferences aside, and, and let's focus on the harvest.